Thanks for listening to Gamblers. If you like this show, you might also like some of The Ringer's other narrative offerings, like Icons Club, a history of the NBA told through the voices of its most legendary players, or Gene and Roger, a look back on two of the most famous film critics ever and how their influence stretches to modern media. Or check out 22 Goals, a series touring nearly a century of World Cup history through the lens of 22 of the most iconic goals ever scored. Thanks for listening. Now let's go make some wagers. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions all apply. See website for details. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. I'm back in Las Vegas with Rufus Peabody, who, along with his betting team in the last episode, placed millions of dollars in bets on Super Bowl props. Bets on everything that could possibly happen in the Super Bowl, except who will win. In Vegas, Rufus is nothing short of a legend. For the last week, ever since the odds on prop bets went live, Rufus, his brother Tom, and the rest of his team have been hammering every sports book they can get a bet with across Las Vegas and around the world. And now, the big day is finally here. A hallowed day. An American tradition. The room of the Los Angeles Rams, the NFC champions, and across the way, the AFC champion, Cincinnati Bengals, ready to tee it up in Super Bowl. All over the country, Family and friends gather for Super Bowl parties. In Los Angeles, 70,000 lucky and or rich fans make their way to SoFi Stadium. And in Las Vegas casinos, where people flock to make bets on the game, bedlam. Sorry, man. I'm, at, th- at this point, I don't know what's in any stack. I don't know what the fuck any of you is right now. It's Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> it's Super Bowl Sunday, indeed. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, my name is David Hill, and this is Gamblers. Rufus's brother Tom and I are at the Westgate Sportsbook again, and it's as crowded as I've ever seen it. It feels like Mardi Gras, with live bands, people in costumes, the whole place vibrating with excitement. It's like hundreds of people in the Looks like the back of the line shortened up a little bit now, but uh, it was wrapping towards the casino. Like Disney World. It is, right? The lines to bet are long, like Space Mountain long. But unlike on Props Day, when everyone could only make two bets and then go to the back of the line, on Super Bowl Sunday, guys like Tom don't have to wait in line at all. VIPs, and really, anyone with 200 large in their backpack willing to bet at all qualify as VIPs, are allowed to skip the line. 
As we make our way to the front, I speak to some of the proletarian betters, waiting for their turn to plunk their money down. How long have you guys been in line? Uh, probably about 30 minutes. Really? Not too bad. Not too That's bad. Not so bad. Who are you betting? Bangles. Yeah. Rams. Oh, you I found it kind of funny that two people were waiting in line just to make the opposite bet. So I suggested they should bet with each other instead of giving 10% juice to the house. But they weren't swayed. To them, it was the spectacle of betting here, in this place, on this day. Also, neither of them thought they were going to lose. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I know I'm going to get my money for sure. <laughs> Earlier that morning, Rufus and I drove back to Bumblefuck, Arizona, trying to hit the online books one more time for all Rufus could get. You got a spot. Oh, yeah. This is the sports better's preferred parking spot. Yes, it is. <laughs> this is the Arizona sports book right here. <laughs> Only this time we weren't alone. His former partner, Zach, had come along for the ride. At one point, Zach told me Arizona was the sixth state he'd been to while betting the Super Bowl. Sixth state in the last 10 days. Delaware, Delaware, New Jersey, Mississippi, Arizona, Nevada, and six. After seven years of being apart, Rufus and Zach reunited this year for the Super Bowl. Zach lives in North Carolina, and he's already set up various betting site accounts for East Coast Sportsbooks. After deciding to team up with Rufus, Zach was dispatched to Atlantic City, where he spent the last week betting the team's money at the scores of New Jersey Sportsbooks. But now he's in Vegas to watch the game with the rest of the team and, hopefully, celebrate. A little while later, I asked him how he felt about being reunited with his old teammate after all these years. I can't, I can't say that uh, when I was in Atlantic City the first week, I wasn't regretting it immediately because I ended up there and I was the only one betting anything. And I was like, what am I even doing this for? I could have done this on my own and, you know, not, not had all these... But Zach decided that it made more sense to partner back up with Rufus, despite how well he had done all season on his own, because teaming up meant growing the bankroll, the amount of money they could collectively bet, which meant that they could spread the money around on more bets, which meant they could lower the variance. Teaming up just made good mathematical sense, not to mention that Rufus is, after all, the king of props. Rufus's prop knowledge, compared to what I'm able to do in handicap, is he can do a lot more, a lot more stuff. I had a great postseason, um, but I just don't have numbers for, you know, all, half of the stuff that he does. And um, is it something I could probably figure out? Yeah, but it's... Out here in the Arizona desert, Zach and Rufus are confident in their calculations, but far less confident in the technology they have to use with the online sports books they're betting with. That's, I mean, that's I've crushed this year too, dude. Legit. Oh, you can do the stake all button and try to risk 3,000 yeah, on each one of these. Yeah. These accept. Literally, I bet their entire menu under first quarter receiving <laughs> ones. <laughs> and you just press... I've, yeah, I'm putting them all at once, let's see. <laughs> that probably might hurt my chances of getting them accepted, I don't know. Bet placed. All of them? Odell one. Odell back one. I don't know, now it's like... This is the type of frantic situation Rufus is all too familiar with. He's had some history with losing money from battling with the Button Smasher mobile sports books. In fact, you could say it cost him a million bucks. What's up, guys? It is high drama here at the DraftKings Sports Betting National Championship. I'm Matt Brown, alongside Brett Colson. In 2019, Rufus traveled to New Jersey to enter the first ever DraftKings Sports Betting Championship. First prize was a million dollars. Players competed by betting their own money on a series of games to see who could win the most. 
And going into the final game of the weekend, Rufus was leading the tournament. The only problem? His money was all tied up on a bet on the previous game, which he won, and hadn't been credited to his account yet by the time the final game kicked off. We are sitting here as the game, as this first game of the day is counting down the final seconds, ticking down 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4. There are people who need their bets scored so they're able to place bets again in the second game. This is crazy. This is madness. This is a strategy that we... According to Rufus and a class action lawsuit filed by other participants, that meant that some players could bet the final game while others had to sit out. Rufus says that he had to watch several players leapfrog over him in the standings. DraftKings apologized, but said, hey, them's the breaks. Rufus said it was more than a $1 million swing for him, the biggest of his career. According to a new lawsuit brought by some of the people who participated in this national championship of betting, uh, draft- The lawsuit was settled out of court with DraftKings denying all wrongdoing. Rufus declined to participate in the suit. He still got third place, winning a quarter of a million dollars. He wasn't happy about the way things went, but he was focused on the future. Like a shark, he never stops moving forward. Unlucky breaks are part of the life. They're expected even. He can't wallow in bad beats. If a shark stops moving, he could die. Today is game day. And today is going to be different. It has to be. Because when it comes to Super Bowl props, game day might be the most important betting day of all. Most of what Rufus and his team want to bet are unders, meaning players will get fewer yards or tackles or points than the total set by the bookmakers. The public, however, typically hates unders. We don't want to bet that something won't happen. We want to bet that something will happen. We like to bet overs, which means that by game day, and really, the closer to the game, the better, the bookmakers will move the lines ever so slightly up to try to attract some action on the unders. Chiefs under 41 and a half first half receiving yards. I'm going to play um, Van Jefferson under 18 and a half minus 115 for first half. You got a problem with that? For people who want to bet overs, Rufus says bet early. If you want to bet unders, wait as long as you can. Stafford, no INT plus 128. I'll take that. Maybe they'll take 50 million on it. <laughs> Only 102,000 left to bet. But that waiting to the last minute, it creates a real pressure cooker situation, which is heightened when you're in the middle of the desert with spotty cell service, trying to bet on your phone while directing an international team of hundreds of people, and all before your laptop battery reached 0%. Shared a Google Doc with those of you whose emails I have. Most of the things in there were made a few days ago, period. Some last night, period. We'll update when I get back to civilization in an hour. We speed back to Vegas so that Rufus and Zach can jump on their computers at Rufus's condo in the downtown arts district which is acting as a de facto mission control for the operation. That's where Rufus likes to be as he does what he calls piloting. If there's somebody out in the field like making bets over the counter, then somebody's behind the computer and we're looking on the app so they can send them plays with just to speed things up. Where, where old are people at right now? The wind? 
so today's important stops will be South Point and Westgate and stations. <clears throat> and the wind is kind of like, if we got time, go by there, because they're only going to take dimes, and they pretty much... A dime, in the parlance of gambler's, mm-hmm. is $1,000. And for this team, $1,000 isn't a big enough bet to justify a stop. Not today, anyway. And then uh, the other ones we can hit on the app, so like um, MGM, Caesars, William Hill, the Circa, the app limits are pretty much the same as the over-the-counter limits, so we don't have to physically be there. Mm-hmm. And then maybe if we have time, we could go to Golden Nugget or have somebody go to Golden Nugget because it can't be me <laughs> and uh, get nickels there. You're shut down everywhere, huh? There's, there's really the reason guys like Zach and Rufus can't go out and bet a lot of these places themselves is some of the local sports books have banned them, and others have limited their action. That's because the same way casinos won't let expert blackjack players play at their tables, they don't want expert sports bettors, or sharps, to bet in their sports books. So when they identify them, they flag them. There's really only, really, the only place I can't really bet here in Vegas anymore at all are um, Stations and Golden Nugget. There's a lot of places that will give you really pathetic or crap limits or whatever, but mm-hmm. for the most part, uh, I can still be done okay out here. <clears throat> I'm not missing a lot. Give me throwing out a golden nugget. Stations can be good, um, especially on Super Bowl, so that one kind of hurts, but... We have people. We have people. One of those people is Tom, still braving the growing crowd at the Westgate, where the VIP line is growing longer and longer behind him as he places nearly $100,000 in bets. The drunks in line are yelling at Tom, and the tellers are yelling at the drunks. And Tom, who is a soft-spoken, rustic singer-songwriter in his regular life, isn't used to finding himself in situations like this. Everything right? Yeah. It's a little stress. It's a stressful impression. You are working here right now, Tom. I guess that's true. <laughs> Back in the condo, Rufus and Zach hop right on the computers and start sending out bets. We got four and a half hours till game time, and we're already getting seeing stuff like, um, you know, cup no touchdown at plus one sixty. Then we're probably going to get to plus one seventy or plus something because you know it's just a matter of like waiting, timing it before the other sharps come in and hit it. Too. Four and a half hours until kickoff, and still a lot of money left to bet. Rufus and Zach try to tally up how much they've bet so far. Do we have a summary where everybody's volumes listed? It's under the liquidity tab. No, we have 969, some of Tom E. Rufus E. Cheney's Okay. 969, okay. But that, that doesn't include the 333 from the Colorado 4. guys. 4.3 plus 0.3 from us, that's 1.6. Well, and then if they've got 250, that's... If we're at like two, then can I take like 35%? Yeah. Go and and Tran will probably hit some stuff at Pinnacle. Sure. So, well... Too many percent. Too many percent. Probably be 35 too many 35s. <laughs> Guys, we're, 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 we're going to be like, we're, we're going to sell 120% of our bankroll. <laughs> boring game. That's what we want, a boring game. Four hours later at kickoff, the team has made hundreds of thousands of dollars of additional bets, pushing the total to over $2 million. Man, I'm not even sure I can watch this freaking football game. Really? Because of the stress? There's a lot of stress. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira 
Confluence and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Before the game even begins, several prop bets have already been won or lost. There were props offered on how long the national anthem would be, the color of the performer's dress, and of course, the result of the opening coin toss. You don't need a computer model to know the true odds of a coin toss, or that the VIG makes it a bad bet. As you might guess, bets like this are not a part of Rufus's portfolio. But year after year, the coin toss is one of the most popular props in Vegas. The team reassembles on the top floor of Rufus's building, which he has rented out to host his team and all their friends for a watch party. Aside from the breathtaking view of the sunset over the Las Vegas Strip and the Spring Mountains, the setup is a fairly modest and typical Super Bowl party, complete with pizza, chips, dips, and booze. But from the opening kickoff, it's clear this is no typical Super Bowl party. The opening kickoff resulting in a touchback nets Rufus $10,000. The first play out of 130 different plays that the Rams and the Bengals would run during the game, each of which will net a win or a loss for Rufus and his team. Despite the win, Rufus does not relax. You're watching, you're like, you're like, I want, I want there to be, I basically want nothing to happen, but at the same time, I still need there to be more than nine points in the first quarter. I don't want field goals, but at the same time, I don't want the game to be tied again afterwards, and I don't want both teams to lead in the first half. And it's it's basically like the whole game, bad things are happening, even if you win. So you haven't enjoyed watching a Super Bowl in 14 years? Oh, well, yeah, definitely not. There are still hours left of this football game, and every single play, and I do mean every single play, has something riding on it. First score of the game, touchdown. It wasn't a field goal. We hate field goals. Cup under, go under. Oh my God, you gotta tackle him. First reception under. We, we, That's a loss. I know, he was about to be tackled for five yards. That was a big one, wasn't it? Uh, under. 
Not everybody at the party is part of the team. Some people are civilians there to root for their team, just ordinary football fans who happen to be watching the game with some very unordinary football fans. And then some people, well, are from Ohio. I hope his ACL's torn. I hope he never plays it down in the NFL. He's got his helmet off. He's done. Let's go. While the Bengals fan cheers on Odell Beckham Jr.'s injury that takes him out of the game, Rufus stares deeper into his spreadsheet. He rallies the team to focus. An injury like this could change every projection. He looks like he's out, huh? That looks like really bad. As the game continues, and the civilians among us cheer on one team or another, the gamblers grade their bets, meaning they mark their winners and losers in a spreadsheet to keep a running tally of how they're doing. But with so many bets and a new win or loss happening on nearly every play, it would be a hopeless endeavor in the best of circumstances. But these guys, they're half in the bag. Okay, Zach. Nobody grade anything else. Nobody grade unless you're drunk. Yes, you have to be drunk. These are the rules. You were explaining to me about Beckham getting hurt. In the moment, I find it hard to wrap my brain around all the hundreds of bets the team has made and still know exactly what to be rooting for. They hadn't even bet on the Rams or Bengals to win the game. According to Rufus, there's not any value in that bet, no matter which side you take. The market had hammered it into shape. So while I, an average American football fan, am watching the game unfold as a battle between two teams for who would score the most points, Rufus and his team are watching a different game entirely. They're watching 106 players each compete against a series of benchmarks set by some bookmaker somewhere. They're watching hundreds of little tiny games happening all at once. And as the game continues, and the partygoers have more to drink, things spiraled into lunacy. And I realize I'm not the only one having a hard time getting my head around it. Here it goes. Here it goes. Look at this. We didn't want. We didn't want Stafford throwing interception. Yeah, yeah. We didn't. We didn't want a McPherson field goal, and we did not want a Burrow touchdown. But we have all these positions. Honestly, we. Honestly, we could be rooting for like. It feels like sometimes I, I'm actually. It turns out I could be rooting for like the wrong things. I don't know. That's so disconcerting to yeah. watch a football game like that and to have no freaking idea. Anger, joy, confusion, madness. And it's not even halftime yet. Yeah, oh, shit. What? We went 37,000 if they don't score this drive. We have Rams first half exact to 13. We had Bengals first half exact to three. But yeah, but Rubis, they very well might score. Well, I know. They need to stop. <laughs> yeah, we need to stop. Them. We need to stop. Need guys, Start rooting, guys. Create some energy. Start rooting. Create <laughs> a vortex. Is this a crypto commercial? The vortex <laughs> proves to not be enough. The Bengals score. Yet another thing happens. More numbers on the board. More overs creeping perilously closer. Not only that, the score is a Joe Mixon trick play, giving a running back a passing stat. Exactly the kind of thing that football fans like me and you love to see, but Rufus bets against. 70. Don't tell me these things. Well, Tom, we don't lose 70000 I know, but we do. We lose in an opportunity. The opportunity to have $70,000 swing. <laughs> It feels like a serious amount of money to me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it would be serious. It's a lot of money to all of us. That's the thing. It's a lot of money to all of us. I, I hear you. Not to me. I'm so rich. <laughs> Except Tom. <laughs> I drive a 2005 Honda Accord. 
As the timer ticks down to halftime, most people across the country are already gearing up for the halftime show. Rufus, Tom, and Zach, however, are glued to the TV. All starts. He stopped him. He did not get a first down either. And the time is still ticking. They held. Why is the clock not going? With 12 seconds left in the half, the Rams are at midfield, leading the game 13 to 10. If they finish the half with exactly 13 points, Rufus wins $70,000. But if the Rams go for it and get a first down, they could score, and there goes that money. So once again, Rufus is rooting for nothing to happen. Even when the Rams line up to punt, the tension is palpable. This is it, fourth and one. Don't jump off sides. No muffing. Blow the whistle, stop it in. Yeah, wait, wait. Got an extra two seconds. A play later, the Bengals down it, and the score at halftime remains Rams 13, Bengals 10, and Rufus up another 70K. Rufus tries the best he can to track where their bets stood and figure out what, if any, bets they should make at halftime. While they huddle around laptops, the rest of us watch Dr. Dre and Kendrick Lamar. And when the game starts back up, well, to Rufus's dismay, it gets more interesting. Seven? Never ever kick a field goal. That's that is exactly. The Bengals hit that third quarter field goal, putting them up twenty to thirteen. But then the Rams will come back, score a touchdown, and we'll have a tie game. Maybe they won't. Touchdown will be bad. For Stafford. For Stafford? Yeah, we definitely don't want to touchdown. If we do, we want to be a rushing one. Tackle. Okay, well, this is. Ah, come on. Well, guys, we're always going to lose some. You can't win them all. You can't, it just hasn't been done yet. There are three different scores in the third quarter, and a lot of yards. There's also a lot of defense, with the Rams sacking Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow five times, which is also bad. The more things that happen, the worse it gets for Rufus. The final six minutes of the fourth quarter are dominated by the Rams, who make a 15-play drive with 11 passes, which is terrible for Rufus and his underbets. But it's also bad for the Bengals and their more passionate fans at the party. As the rest of us watch to see whether the Rams would score or the Bengals would get a defensive stop, Rufus sweats who might catch the touchdown pass. It wasn't that Rufus doesn't want the Rams to win. He had predicted they would, in fact, even though he hadn't bet any significant amount of money on the outcome. And if they win with a touchdown on this drive, they'd win by exactly as many points as he predicted they would, which is to say, less than the four-and-a-half-point spread and not enough to cover. But what Rufus really doesn't want was for Cooper Cup to catch another touchdown pass. The Bengals get the ball back down three with under two minutes to go in the fourth. The classic two-minute drill scenario. 
the game is very much still in the balance. Rufus tries to do some numbers to see where the team stands as the Bengals prepare to receive the kickoff. He could lose both if he rushes it out. I don't know what you're talking about. Three? That joint the thought. No one knows what we want. But we, we definitely want them to be stopped. The Bengals choke the possession, turning the ball over on downs. The celebrations begin. The game is, for all intents and purposes, over. But there's still time on the clock, which means there are still plays to be run, which means Rufus still has money at stake. He had bet that the game would not end on a kneel. Well, so we get in the game on a kneel. Do you think they will? No. Oh, we bet against the game ending on a kneel. All right, I'm going to need you have a, um, The game ends on a knee, a final indignity for a rough second half. But while the result of Super Bowl 56 is official, the result of Rufus Peabody's bets are not. There are spreadsheets to consult. The teammates gather around the screen to see what their final fate would be. He can stay under five and a half, right? That was huge for us. He just didn't do anything for a No second half lead change. The chase on his Yeah. Under one and a half total missed PATs and field goals. Those are none. Your longest field goal bet wins. Bengals team that scores touchdown. first will win the game. Did the Rams score first, guys? They did. You shake my hand, sir. What happened? Hey. It's good. We made money. We made money. <laughs> A little touch and go there for a second. Right now we're at no, about... Is. We're always losing until we're winning. Almost 11% all of us. It's a few things to grade. After weeks of shuttling backpacks of cash across Las Vegas, traversing the dingy winter boardwalk of Atlantic City, dispatching armies of runners across the betting shops of London, and driving in and out of the desolate Arizona desert, Rufus and his team have made an 11% return on a $2 million investment. He and his brother started packing their bags almost immediately after the game for a trip to Montana to decompress. How do you feel? You know, honestly, the money I made pays off the week's losing golf bets. So it's not like I made money today, but it, it's good that it's over and it's good to like, honestly, it's good to not lose my ass. And always, like, that, it's all, that's, all, that's kind of first goal, and so that's good. And it's good that the football season's over, honestly. That's kind of half the celebration here. Not gonna lie. It's like life gets a little more simple and easy and Yeah, the easy. Super Bowl is kind of like a bacchanal. It's like yeah, a it's, it's the like, end. It's the, it's everybody has a big party and they gorge themselves and then it's just like the funny thing is, Super Bowl Sunday win or lose is it's kind of like a letdown in a way. Like what I enjoy more is the process of building these positions and getting down and, and, and getting the good number. That's that's winning in a way that when the game happens, it isn't. Like, like these tickets here, these are tickets from, these are losing tickets from last week. These tickets had possibility at one point. All the tickets had value, they had possibility. Some end up, like these are the ones that didn't, that are worth nothing now. But it's like, it's like in a way that work was all lost somehow. Right, but there was all this. There was all this work, and I don't know. It's like somehow for two weeks, it's the process, and then you have the outcome that comes that comes along that you can't control. But the process of it is like that's what I enjoy. The process of it. Rufus is obsessed with this concept of possibility. 
That's what draws him in. The thrill of finding something with unrealized potential. Of being able to spot it where nobody else could. That's the way he plays the game. That's the way he lives his life. He calls himself a work in progress. He's always looking for his own unrealized potential. For the sharp bets to make on himself. And it's made him unpredictable. Someone on his own path. Someone who doesn't want to be encumbered by responsibilities or expectations of others. Yet at the same time, Rufus Learned Peabody's life has been filled with patterns, tendencies. And in a way, deep inside his own code, he too is predictable. He's always tinkering and toying and searching for a better way to do everything, including how to live. But chances are, he may have already found it. When you said before that eight-year-old you would have loved to have known that you were on Sports Center, mm-hmm. well, what do you think eight-year-old you would have thought about you, like you know, whatever, betting a million dollars on? I don't know, man. I don't think eight-year-old me would have believed that was possible. I just think back to I mean, like I've had a hell of a life. I still have like hopefully more than half of my life left to to have even more amazing experiences and, and new adventures and a lot more Super Bowls too. We'll see. Probably. It's possible Rufus never had a chance to do anything but what he's doing today. It was simply in his DNA. From the day in kindergarten, when Rufus first heard the Washington fight song, his die was cast. But I suspect Rufus would disagree. Rufus would say he simply cracked his own code. Hail to the commanders. Hail Next week on Gamblers, we hit the golf course. He comes up to me and says, you're going to have to try hard every hole. Forget about trying to keep him. I said, why? He says, because we're playing for 40 Gamblers was written and reported by me, David Hill. The show's executive producers are Juliet Littman and Sean Finnison. Gamblers was produced by Bobby Wagner, Mike Wargon, Noah Malale, and Vikram Patel. Matt Dollinger was our story editor. Fact-checking by Daniel Comer. Copy editing by Isaac Levy-Rubinet. Sound design by Bobby Wagner. Mixing and mastering by Scott Somerville. The theme song was written by Isaac Lee. Other tracks you hear in this episode are from Epidemic Sound and Blue Dot Sessions. Art direction and illustration by David Shoemaker. And special thanks to Jade Whaley. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.